Hello, everyone. Welcome to Not Your Father's Movies. I'm Vito. I'm Mike. And I'm Jesse. And we are the Dad Fathers coming at you with some beginning energy because we are beginning to come at you with the energy of the begins. This is incredibly <laughs> convoluted. <laughs> and then everyone just turns off the episode. Just like that. <laughs> it is convoluted, though, but it does make sense. You would, we would start with beginning energy as we are beginning a new season of Not Your Father's Movies and a new year as well. Very exciting times for all of us. Um, and this is your first time joining us here on the show. We are Not Your Father's Movies. We're a podcast of three dads who are discussing the genre of dad movies and specifically trying to find new ones to call dad movies. This isn't a pejorative term. We're talking about dad movies as things we want our kids to associate watching with us. We're talking about them in terms of like how we feel about them and just trying to figure them out from all the way in the past to here in the near future. And today, starting off a new season, we decided to go with a very classic trilogy, one that was super important to all of us. And we're we're doing the Christopher Nolan Batman trilogy, uh, starting with Batman Begins here from 2005. Woohoo! Very exciting. I, I'm, I'm really excited to talk about this one. This is just, I, I don't know if, if we've done a movie as big a deal, especially to my own father. So I'm really, really excited to get into it. But before we do that, uh, we have a new segment that we're going to be starting that Jesse actually came up with. So Jesse, maybe you want to introduce it and give us an example. I, I was told by listeners that they want to know what we've been watching, but I thought that was boring and completely undoable on our part because we're dads and we're busy and we don't always watch things. So I, I figured we could do something along the lines of like, what are our kids watching? Are we following up on our promises to um, show our kids things that we said we'd show them? So what we're watching over here in our household, at least for this week, I, I showed my kids Elf for the first time because uh, we we're in recording this mid-December. So I decided I pumped them up. I was just like, hey, we're going to watch this movie called Elf. It's about an elf that works in Santa's workshop, and Santa's in there too. And they got really excited. And <laughs> then they started watching, and it wasn't as exciting. They were really excited at first, because there's a gnome that burps, and then a troll that farts, and then there's a classic baby. comedy. Yeah, classic <laughs> comedy. And they love farting. Their, their favorite part... <laughs> <laughs> Their favorite part of the morning is when I come out and I inevitably fart because I always do. And they always laugh and say, dad tooted. And they point it out every single morning and they will look for each other. If one is not around to hear it, <laughs> uh, they, they like go summon Big them day. and bring them because they're like, oh, dad's at it again. Classic um, dad. Just, just farting. <laughs> just farting in the morning what happens so it's become a a staple in our i'm gonna play that i'm gonna play that at some point uh, at your daughter's (laughs) wedding (laughs) just that that clip like they love farting (laughs) (laughs) and she'll probably say yes yes we do (laughs) we are a pro farting (laughs) oh yeah my wife hates it but you know it happens anyway but they didn't really like the rest of the movie they thought it was okay I, I was still laughing at some parts. My son got really engaged at the end with Santa and wanted to fix his sleigh. But besides that, they thought it was just an okay movie. So that's what we've watched recently. Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. I uh, I do remember from the time, the last time I did watch Elf, that the last 20 or so minutes, I got pretty bored. Up until then, it's like joke, 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 joke. And then at the last bit, it's like, oh, no, we got to save Christmas like, uh, do we? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Go back to joking. Put the maple syrup on your pizza, on your your spaghetti again. That was funny. I have to revisit it though. My wife, my wife likes that one. 
So we uh, last year we did the uh, Home Alone Christmas episode, and that's just one of my favorite Christmas movies. And I I don't remember how old I said I wanted my daughter to be when she watched it for the first time, but I tried it, and and she did understand quite a bit. We didn't finish it. We got to the the first house that the wet bandits hit after they try to go into mm. the McAllister's house and they can't get in. But she she got that they were burglars. Uh, she asked what burglary was. I said it was stealing stuff, and she said, "What's that?" I said, that's when people take stuff that's not theirs. And she said, why? And it was like, for money. And she goes, why? I said, so they can sell it. She goes, to who? I said, to the store. I don't know. Like, <laughs> I can't lay out the criminal enterprise for you. Um, but she was really engaged. And she that, she was actually really more about that than about the family stuff. Like, that was way more interesting to her. I asked her. I stopped the movie at a certain point. It was right because I forgot how much of a shit Kevin is. Yeah, He's a shit. Yeah, to, mm-hmm. and his family's not great either. Yeah. Um, but he, when she says, uh, when his mom's taking him upstairs, and she says, "Now go upstairs," he goes, "We are upstairs, dummy." I was like, "Whoa, whoa, oh, yeah." Whoa. But I asked my daughter. I said, "You know, is Kevin being a little naughty?" She goes, "No." Uh, and I yeah. said, "I said really?" I said, "Is his family mm. being a little mean?" She goes, "I don't know." And I was like, "Hmm, hmm." Mm. Well, we might have to have some more conversations about this then, mm. maybe more than I thought. <laughs> Um, but overall pretty successful. She laughed at the scenes where Kevin runs around the house screaming. She thought that was really funny. Um, she liked that he was eating the the ice cream and watching the movies by himself. Like mm. she got into it and she was yeah. creeped out by old man Marley. So I feel like that's a pretty successful first viewing of Home Alone. Yeah. Well, we'll have to check back once the traps start. Yeah. But that, that's kind of what we've been, we've been watching and holding true to that, trying to, to show the movies that we say we're going to show to our kids, to our kids. I did try. Yeah. Dinner got in the way. Uh, Mike. What's your family been watching? Or you? The other day, my wife was gone in the late afternoon or evening, and I was just with the kids alone. And I was like, you know what? You guys haven't seen any of the old uh, Mickey Mouse cartoons. Like, why don't we sit down mm. and check out Mickey Mouse? Because they've got like Mickey Mouse stuff, like their pull-ups have Mickey Mouse stuff on them. It's like, oh, right. Mickey mm-hmm. Mouse. We love Mickey Mouse. They don't know if they love Mickey Mouse or sure. not. And that was a ton of fun because like I had to be there with him. So often, you know, we'll throw on like an educational show or something like that for them when it's something incredibly annoying and educational (laughs) Uh, when when we need to do things. But I was like, I'm going to hang out with you guys and and watch something. What what am I going to enjoy as well as you? So we put on like like the old, old 1947 cartoons. Mm -hmm. Steamboat Willie. Yeah, Steamboat Willie and that sort of thing. They loved it. They were just having a great time. And we sat there for like an hour turning on different ones. I did try Jack and the Beanstalk. They were not that into that. They were scared and they were Mm -hmm. concerned. And they left. Um, (laughs) Not like in terror, but mostly out of boredom. Sure. And, And that was the end of the hour. I was like, all right, I guess we're uh, we're done with that. You see, actually, great. Yeah, actually, this I, time last year, Jesse like pioneered the spirit of this. He's like, yeah. hey, if if you're because like, I I had mentioned that my daughter hadn't really loved Looney Tunes, and he's like, dude, watch the Mickey Mouse ones, and that was a great <laughs> note. Uh, I, I've yeah. now been a year of showing my daughter Mickey Mouse stuff. Oh yeah, they my kids still love it, like Looney Tunes and SpongeBob and anything else. It's like too much for them, but. Mickey Mouse has the right amount of zaniness and calmness at the same time. Like they're not like freaking out all the time about everything. And I think they're able to absorb those um, emotions a little better, but yeah, they, my kids had the same reaction to Jack and the Beanstalk. They did not like that one. Yeah. This is kind of dark. And also there's like a whole bear cartoon at first. 
Oh yeah, we skipped through that. Um, I skipped through it too. Yeah. I was like, wow, this is going nowhere. I don't remember any of this. And then I remembered I used to fast forward through this. <laughs> well, yeah, because Blockbuster. There was like this family that was telling the story, and that yeah. made me remember all of these movies that had like story within a story sort yeah. of vibes. Yeah. And I don't understand why they did that. Like, why didn't you just like get to the story? Start the movie. Yeah, just start you the know, movie already. Yeah. Actually, no, I read it. There up were on creepy this. marionettes. Like super yeah. creepy. Yeah. It, it was I think this was in the nineteen forties. I think they didn't have enough money or whatever during World War II. They didn't know what else to do. So they just they're like, all right, we have these shorter cartoons that we've already kind of made, put it into a movie. Mm-hmm. And they yeah, have like yeah. an anthology movie. Of yeah. Just like, uh, it's a bunch of like 15 minute cartoons. I remember I watched a bunch of these when I was a kid too. I had like a couple of VHSs and uh, I was able to revisit two of my favorites with my daughter and she really liked them. But the first one, my very favorite one is that one where they're playing music in the park. The band. Oh yeah. Oh and my gosh. Mm. Oh along. my gosh. They love oh, yeah. that. Yeah. yeah that yeah. one's great. Oh, my kids have been scared of tornadoes ever since. And this week <laughs> with the giant tornado hitting Kentucky has not helped matters at all. <laughs> Oh, but that one ends up okay, you yeah. know? The, yeah. They, uh, uh, like the yeah. guy with the tuba that goes up, and then the tuba gets stuck yeah. in, like, the big underwear, and then it inflates. <laughs> it's really funny. It's so funny. And then my other favorite one is the Through the Looking Glass one. And he has Ooh, the, the sword fight with, mm. the, with the card. Yeah. There's a yeah. card, and since there's a, a face on the top and the bottom, he has two swords, and Mickey has one. And so he has to, like, swashbuckle with both of them. <laughs> That's it's awesome. really good. It's really yeah. fun. They, uh, they, they really like the one where Mickey is, like, uh, he's cleaning up, Minnie's yard and Minnie's got like yeah. the pie or whatever. And he's like, Oh, can I have some of that pie if I clean up your yard? And then like the little tornado comes and he's like, <laughs> he's, like I that one. messing with him. But then the big tornado comes, <laughs> like the mama tornado, and just like wrecks Mickey's and everybody else's, yeah. you know, lives. And and he doesn't end up getting the pie. It was great. They loved it. I, I actually have been watching, I, I look forward to watching this with, with my daughter. Yeah. My wife mm-hmm. does not care about these. Yeah which I think is interesting. But like when I turn them on, she's like, oh, and she leaves. But it's fun. It's fun yeah. for me, me and my daughter. I'm like, yeah. all right, well, you do, you enjoy not loving the beginning of animation. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's a, it's a me. It's so much fun to watch because it's like they, they hand drew this stuff. Like, this is amazing. It's so mm-hmm. imaginative. And all of these cartoons are, they're almost like a part of what's enjoyable about them is, is how much fun they're having creating yeah. all this cool stuff. Yeah. But they're also just fun. Yeah. Um, and they're funny. Yeah. They're Every bizarre. They are. Like, yeah. Who, who would have come up with a whole like tornado comes and picks up a whole orchestra? And before that, it's like Donald Duck trying to throw a whole orchestra off to yeah. by yeah. playing a little ditty that that they all keep played. Yeah. Yeah. And then they all like so, throw yeah. stuff at him and he's dodging it's it really so easy. Great. He's got, like, like tin whistles just like falling out of his arms. Uh, that is, yeah, that is my favorite one. Yeah. Yeah. Those are great. Man, this is a, I, I, I look forward to doing this segment yeah. more often. This, this is a good time. Yeah. But maybe uh, we'll bring it to a close here and let's let's kick off into uh, a brief cast and crew as brief as we can, because this movie has just so many people in it. Yeah. Again, we're talking Batman Begins, um, not Walt Disney cartoons, although I kind of want to. Now. <laughs> <laughs> just have a, a, whole, a whole episode. episode. Yeah. 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 Favorite Mickey Mouses. So first of all, this is coming at us uh, from Christopher Nolan. This is the second Christopher Nolan movie that we've done. Listen back to our listener request month last year. Where we did the prestige um, that was a really good time. And uh, Christopher Nolan doesn't need too much of an introduction. It's actually more exciting kind of where he's going after this. I mean, I think it's the summer after this upcoming summer. So 2023 that we're going to be seeing his biopic of Oppenheimer. Yeah. The father of the atomic bomb. 
Yeah. Starring Killian Murphy. Uh, yeah. I, I, that's the, I have become death destroyer of worlds. Indeed. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I don't really know what to do with this information. <laughs> it's, well, I, I don't know either. Like, what's that going to look like? It, it's a Christopher Nolan. First of all, so that, that immediately says, okay, so it's going to be like wild. Yeah. Like it's going to be expensive and it's going to be crazy. And then he's like, no, but it's a biopic. And you're like, but has he come what? down and said like, it's, it's, a, it's going to be like a hard line biopic. No, he just said it's based on the life of Robert okay. Oppenheimer. What I really hope is that it plays out kind of like the prestige where it's like him writing in his journal, talking very intensely and it's like different scenes and there's a twist at the end where you didn't really see that tying into like the rest of the journal or whatever. I don't know okay. if I'm explaining that well, but no, that is no, what no. I hope from this movie. I, I think for sure we know from Christopher Nolan is that it's definitely not going to be. And then this happened and then that happened and <laughs> yeah. then this happened. He's going to be like, all right. If the movie's going to open with like Robert Oppenheimer like dying, yeah, <laughs> and then, and yeah, then we're yeah. going to hop skip through the thing. Yeah. yeah, I know that, but also that doesn't make me more excited. Or it's going to end with the atomic bomb, or start with the atomic bomb. It could maybe. start. With it that. could start with that. I mean, I feel like anyone making a Christopher Nolan like parody video about this would start it that way. Yeah, but that also might be how he would start. Yeah, it. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what to say about this movie. It's going to be interesting. It's interesting. I, I'm extremely excited. I don't know very much about Oppenheimer. I don't either. Um, I don't think anybody really does. He's not, you know, of the people who who worked on the atomic bomb. He's not the most. He's both the most famous in terms of what he said and the fact that he made it, but also like the least known about. I feel like. mm. Einstein is more. Yeah. Way can more I, known. Yeah. Can I just say, I really hope this movie starts with, it started with the bang. <laughs> and then it goes back to the Big Bang. <laughs> oh, that could be the way it happens. Yeah. Very good. Uh, well, over under, uh, we'll place our bets and we'll check back with you in a year and a half. <laughs> but so that's that's what's coming next from Christopher Nolan. Obviously, super famous director. If you don't know him, uh, where have you been? Um, but he's working here with his longtime collaborator, um, Wally Fister, who he has done already Memento and Insomnia with. They worked together for a long time. The last film that they did together, I believe, was Dark Knight Rises. But Wally Pfister, as Mike informed me before the episode, has retired, which is a shame because uh, besides his work with Nolan, he also did work uh, for Moneyball and The Italian Job. Just a just a well-known, very good cinematographer whose who's I really appreciate and miss. Any any thoughts about Mr. Pfister? Also, what a name, Mr. Pfister. Yeah, wow. Mr. Pfister. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, like he's he's a cinematographer for some of the most uh, important movies that of my my youth. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And speaking of someone who's very important to all of our youths is is Christian Bale here uh, making his third appearance on Not Your Father's Movies. Listen back to also the Prestige and Three Ten to Yuma. We love Mr. Bale here. Yeah, and yeah. this is this was my first time seeing Christian Bale when I was younger. Uh, so I've you you didn't grow up watching American Psycho. Is no, or Newsies, <laughs> or oh, Newsies. Yeah, I'd never seen Newsies. I think I'd seen em the end of Empire of the Sun. Okay, so I knew like his his face. Yeah, but then like I saw Little Women, but I don't. You know, he's not really. He's not really in that. I mean, someone's gonna get what really about mad what about Henry the Fifth? I never. Do you, do you I've remember never him seen in Henry the Fifth? I've never no. seen him still. Uh, are you talking Henry about the eighties? Really? Yeah, the the um the Kenneth Branagh movie. Yeah, he is the he's a kid in it. And obviously, and he is, uh, he's like the flag bearer, or like oh. the trumpeter. Maybe he mm. plays a drum or whatever. I think he has a couple of lines from the play and, uh, he ends up slaughtered with all, when the oh. French slaughter all of the, uh, spoilers. 
Uh, this play's been out for, oh, I don't know, centuries. Agincourt happened in like the 13th? When was it? Don't spoil history for me. I'm not going to say the date because I don't know. (laughs) Uh, Is is this like, so I think think Little Women was was my first Bale movie, but I didn't really know that that was Christian Bale. This Mm -hmm. is the first movie where I knew it was Christian Bale. Yeah. Yeah. Is Is that the same for you guys? Yeah, this is the same where I think he became big from here on out, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, he was in other things before. Like, I think American Psycho became, came before this, right? 98, 99, yeah. Okay. It was 2000, actually. But even so, that was kind of a weird movie. This is the first yeah. mainstream blockbuster thing that he's in, and he became, like, a huge household name. So, yeah, from here on out, I knew who Christian Bale was, and he was a draw for movies for me. Yeah, if I heard that Christian Bale was in a movie um, from 2005 onwards, I'm like, well, that, that deserves some attention. Like, I should put that yeah. on my radar. Oh, he's um, in a Terminator prequel? I'm in. I know. I know. <laughs> uh, man, that, I, I was so excited. I was so unreasonably excited to see that movie. Guys, I think also, we're forgetting just... an incredibly important movie that he was in prior to this that I think mm-hmm. we all saw prior to this. What? Reign of Fire. I didn't see Reign of Fire until after this. Oh. What were you doing with your life? Uh, I was 11 when Reign of Fire came out. <laughs> That's why. <laughs> Which one is Reign of Fire? The dragon movie. It's the dragon. Matthew McConaughey. Oh, I, yeah. She'll never seen that one. Yep. You'll love uh, that one. Uh, I, you'll love that one. It's, it's <laughs> very. Still won't see that movie. It, it, very, it very much happened. Yeah. It, no, that, that. that's a big deal. It's a big deal to my childhood. I yeah. saw that after this one. But no, I, I love that movie. Loved. But yeah, Christian Bale. We know the guy. And uh, we'll be seeing him, I think, next in, in Thor Love and Thunder, I think, is the next one. Mm. Yeah, he plays uh, Zeus, right? No, that's Russell Crowe. Mm, yeah. He plays he plays the bad guy in this movie. Um, what's his name? The God Killer. So I don't know what that's going to be like. Apparently, he's skinny again. Every other year, Christian Bale's either like obese or skinny. <laughs> One or the other. But anyway, so uh, we also have Michael Caine here playing Alfred. Um, I think this is Michael Caine's first appearance on our on our might. little show. No, he was in The Prestige. He's in the. That's right. Yeah. I forget. If yeah. it's Nolan, he was in it. Yeah. Um, Michael Caine. Michael man. Caine. I think yeah. we've covered him quite a bit before. And also, I think everyone knows him. Yeah. yeah. He's Michael Caine. If, um, if you want to watch a movie of nothing but Michael Caine impressions, then watch The Trip, where it's just two trip. dudes doing Michael Caine impressions for most of the movie. <laughs> and some of them are really good. Like, They're I have really a hard time good. choosing between Steve and Rob. Like, who's doing a better one? Like, Steven, Steven's got, like, the intonation, but Rob's got, like, yeah. the depth. <laughs> like, if you merge them together, it would be perfect. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I can't remember who does it, but I think one of them starts like going Michael Caine throughout the years. Yes. Starts out with a young Michael Caine voice and goes to an old <laughs> Michael Caine voice. It goes much deeper, much heavier. <laughs> oh, so great. I love that movie. I love that one. Yeah. I have I have not checked in with it. Was that movie have like three sequels now? Yeah. Go to, like Italy and Spain and they go to Greece too? Yeah. I have Jeez. not seen the Greece one, but I've seen the other two. They're... I don't remember liking the second one as much, but the trip to Greece had some great moments. They do a lot okay. of Brando impressions in that one too. Oh, I love Brando impressions. Okay, I, they're I not I'm as in. good, but they do them. Okay, I'm in. I like Steve Coogan is one of those weird guys that even when he's bad, I'm still enjoying looking at him. You know, like I don't regret the time I spend with him. Strange, but we also have here making his first appearance on a dad movie podcast, which I think is shocking. Is Liam Neeson? Um, how is this the first Liam Neeson movie? He's in a lot of bad movies. Yeah, but he's also in stuff like Rob Roy. I mean, like in Schindler's List. That's true. Yeah. 
like this is a legendary actor, but I, I wrote down all the movies he made, all the really shitty action movies he's made post this. Um, Cause this movie, Batman Begins comes out in 2005, which is the same year as Kingdom of Heaven, which is really crazy to me too. But we got Taken, Clash of the Titans, The A-Team, The Next Three Days, Unknown, The Grey, Battleship, Taken 2, Nonstop, A Walk Among the Tombstones, Taken 3, Run All Night, The Commuter, Cold Pursuit, Honest Thief, The Marksman, and The Ice Road. Mm, the Ice Road, yes, yes. Yes. That's an important... I have seen almost all of these movies. <laughs> they are really bad. Why? Because what's crazy about these, okay, if we wanted to just briefly do this. Okay, so Taken, I would argue, is a pretty good movie. I, I think it works. I enjoyed it, yeah. I think mm-hmm. it works. Yeah. I think it functions. Clash of the Titans sucks. The A-Team sucks. The next three days, really good. Really good. Unknown sucks. The Grey, amazing. Battleship sucks. Taken 2 sucks. Nonstop. Okay. A Walk Among the Tombstones, actually really good. It's really because it's from it's from Scott Frank who did the Queen's Gambit. Oh, interesting! Um, it's a hard R like crime thriller like Seven. Like, oh wow! It's really gnarly. Okay. And I went to the theaters to see a fun Liam Neeson uh, action movie rated yeah. R, and I, instead I watched a harrowing portrayal of like a man deeply haunted by the sins of his past chasing a killer. <laughs> I was like, Ooh. "What are we doing?" Wow! But then we had taken three. That sucks. That sounds like a walk among the tombstones. If you were yeah. told me that you saw that movie, that's that's what I am expecting. Sure, but I mean, the previous year was nonstop, <laughs> which was Die Hard on a plane. <laughs> you know, why did they make Die Then here, though, taken. They did, yeah, yeah. But then they taken three sucks. Run all night, actually pretty good. The commuter sucks. Cold pursuit, actually okay. Like huh. he keeps going and it's like every other one, you could be a fun one or it could be really bad. That's why I keep watching. Interesting. I, I, you never, cause you never know. You never know. You never know. Like Cold Pursuit's kind of fun because it's like making fun of the, the movies that he's in oh, while being okay. one of the movies that he's in, but it's okay. also not a straight comedy. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. Confusing man, confusing career. Yeah. I don't know what to do with him, but I'm guessing from your guys' faces that you have not, you're not niece and heads. No, I, I love him in the movies that I love him in. Yeah. Like this one. I see. Yeah. I see. That's a good way of putting it. Like anytime he's there and he's good, it's like, oh yeah, Liam Neeson is bringing it. Otherwise he's just like, he blends in with the scenery. Yeah. Makes sense. Makes sense. Harsh words for my, for my Liam. I mean, Qui-Gon Jinn is Qui-Gon Jinn. probably our favorite Jedi. Your favorite Jedi. Obi- I thought that we were all pretty, I mean like. Obi-Wan's my favorite. Like, like kind of, kind of. Like, I mean, uh, Obi-Wan, Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon Jinn are cut from the same cloth, almost almost literally, but not really literally. Well, no, because like Qui-Gon, Qui-Gon's like a rebel. Yeah. Qui-Gon listens to like the Grateful Dead, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 Lee, and Obi-Wan is kind of like, I want to play by the rules. And he's always trying to make that He work. was like into Rage Against the Machine as a kid, but yeah. now he just yeah. kind of listens to, I don't know, classical music? I think but you can tell as, he, like 80s as he goes older. Yeah. Yeah, as, sorry. <laughs> as Obi-Wan grows older, he keeps on saying, what would Qui-Gon do? And I feel like we're going to find out much more about that at, in the TV series, which is what I'm looking forward to. Because his character arc ends with everybody saying, like, or with Yoda telling him to go talk to Qui-Gon. So now Qui-Gon's going to give him advice. He's going to be his so. mentor again. Yeah. How, how much money would you bet on Liam Neeson showing up in the Obi-Wan TV show? Oh, oh. All of my all of all of, the money, <laughs> all of yes. my money. That's yeah. a good bet. Good, good. <laughs> but moving on from Mr. Neeson, for now, for now, at least at least three of those movies I just stamp we're gonna do someday. Katie Holmes, Kate Dawson's Creek 
if you know don't know her by any other name. Had kind of a weird career. I mean, yeah. obviously she had a she had a brief marriage to Tom Cruise, which might have dampened some of her not a brief marriage. I mean, right? brief in terms of lifespan. I guess I guess so. Yeah. But like for a movie star, like they were married for like Number 15 years. years, right? Didn't didn't I don't they know. just get divorced in the last year? Jesse, how many Hold years were they married? Uh, it sounds like they're together for like six years. Oh, really? That's a brief marriage. Yeah. From 2006 to 2012. Oh, it is a brief marriage. They might have been together for longer than that, though. Yeah. But before Batman Begins, um, she's in The Ice Storm. She's in Go. Uh, she's in Muppets from Space, Jesse. <laughs> <laughs> Who is she in Muppets from Space? An uncredited role as Joey Potter. Uh, yeah, I have no idea. I need to go back and see Muppets from Space because I haven't revisited that movie in a long time. I, I saw Muppets from Space one time and I cried really hard. I never wanted to go back again. <laughs> um, but she's also in stuff like like Abandoned, which is pretty fun. Phone Booth, which is pretty fun. Um, but she's kind of stalled out. I mean, she has Thank You for Smoking the same year as Batman Begins. That's um, a great movie. That one's pretty fun. And then, uh, yeah, poking around How I Met Your Mother. She's in Jack and Jill. Um, I do remember her from this movie called Miss Meadows that she did produce. That was pretty interesting. But yeah, I wish that uh, that Katie Holmes came back a little bit better, a little bit stronger. I wish Hollywood let her back in because, I mean, Logan Lucky, she was pretty fun in. That was 2017. It was a while ago. Yeah. yeah. More Katie but Holmes. But she yeah. left Scientology because she converted when she was with Mr. Um, Cruise. Tom Cruise. Yeah. yeah. So then she left. So, I, yeah, I think she's been shunned out of Hollywood ever since. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. Well, and then with this, I mean, she decided not to come back for um, for The Dark Knight. I guess she was making another movie. Mad Money. She chose yeah. to make the film Mad Money uh, instead of The Dark Knight, which, um, oof. Yeah. <laughs> oof. Fire your agent. <laughs> I, I remember uh, people being very upset about that yeah. at the time. Yeah, I, I was really upset because, I mean, I, I've seen this movie so many times and she, she yeah. was so important. Yeah. But who's also very important here is Mr. Oldman, Mr. Gary Oldman, making his first appearance too. But we know this man from Mank, uh, Lawless. Um, what's <laughs> Do your, we what's, know him from Mank? What's your favorite? Do we really? I kind of, I, I can't <laughs> stop thinking about Mank is the problem. Yeah. I don't right? love really? Mank, but I can't stop thinking yeah, about Mank. Yeah, you can't it stop thinking me off. about it. Yeah. It pisses me off. I forgot about Mank until we mentioned it, to be honest. I, I saw I it a year ago you. and I've forgotten. I envy you deeply. You know, when we did our when we did our uh, our end of the year last year, I didn't get a chance or I guess two years ago now, because no. this is coming out in 2023. Well, the no, end of- this is coming out in 2022. What is time? <laughs> <laughs> our end of the year from 2020. Yeah. And you guys had seen Mink and I didn't because neither of you had liked it. I went and finally watched it. And guys, I think that's a pretty good movie. I think you guys you guys. You know, we're a little further out on Mank than, than I was. That is yeah. not a hot take to say that, because that's absolutely true. Yeah. Um, yeah. You as, thought I was going to make a hot take, but that I, I didn't. As for whether or not we're right, I actually don't know. Yeah. I I might have been too. But then again, the prospect of rewatching Mank mm-hmm. just just makes me really sad. Like, I'm I really not going to do, do that. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> it's a very sometimes, long movie. Sometimes, Mike, sometimes we've got very differing views. Like, I'm probably not going to watch Limbo again, although I have come around on that one. Yes! Let's keep going. I have to say, what is your favorite Gary Oldman performance that's not Batman related? Mike. I don't know. I mean, everything. He's great. I just saw a True Romance recently. He was nice. great. 
Yeah, I mean, dreadlock, yeah, lock crazy drug dealer. Yeah, he was great. Uh, <laughs> he's great in Leon the Professional. Uh, I don't know, like, what is he bad in? Uh, he's in a lot of stuff. He's, he's, yeah. he's bad in something. Yeah, you know, um, I, I might you, actually. Yeah, I think I'm just gonna say I. He's such a good actor that I don't really know him because, yeah. like, whenever he comes on, I always forget that he's around. Like he's in the entire or most of the Harry Potter movies, and I totally forgot he was in there because, I, like, I don't recognize him. I don't associate him as being Gary Oldman. He just kind of like loses himself in every role that he's in, and and that's awesome. That's so great. Yeah, same thing happens with me and Daniel Day Lewis. I keep on forgetting that they're like associated, like that name is associated with this guy. So, yeah. yeah. Him and Gary, which, you know, props to Gary Oldman for being named in the same sentence as Daniel Day-Lewis. Right. Yeah. I, I, I have to say, I think I had, I recently, not recently, I, I watched the movie Dracula with my wife uh, a couple years ago. And I don't know, we were just kind of in the mood for something kind of scary, something kind of creepy, but didn't know anything. And I just, I saw Dracula was on Netflix and it was directed by Francis Ford Coppola. And I was like, oh, yeah, I remember this one is weird. Like, Keanu Reeves is in it. Like, a whole bunch of famous people. And I was like, I remember this one is weird. We turned on. We had so much fun. Oh, yeah? It was such a good movie. Oh. Like, it wasn't even like we had fun laughing. You know, dumb. It was no. We are genuinely invested. And it was campy and bizarre and creepy and very romantic and kind of lovely. Uh, exactly like what you'd expect the story of Dracula to be. And I kind of thought I would be laughing at Gary Oldman as Dracula. But he was fantastic. He was fantastic. And that's just, it's a recent, it's a movie I've seen that he was in recently. And I was like, I, I really love that. Um, yeah. I love, I love our man, Gary. I have to mention here, Killian Murphy's in this as well as a scarecrow. This is his third time here as well uh, on our show with uh, 28 days later and a quiet place part two. One of those is good. Uh, and <laughs> <laughs> I just started listening to your Annette episode finally. Cause I finally saw Annette. That's right. I, yeah, we got some got some takes on Quiet Place Part Two there. Even though you didn't give us any in the in the, I was away on fraternity leave. Yeah. I was away. I was raising yeah, my child, and I was anxiously awaiting you guys to drop the episode so I could listen to it myself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a weird experience. Well, if you want to know show. Vito's takes on it, check out his review of Annette with Sir on my Movie Fix right. podcast. Our good friend, our good friend Sir, and also our our past collaborations with yes. him too. We should shout those out. Oh yeah, yeah. Let's listen to them. My Movie Fix. Do it. And finally, got to mention Morgan Freeman. Morgan Freeman here playing Lucius Fox. Or is you know, it Lucius? Now, I, I, my wife made fun of that too, and I, I had never really noticed it, but why does he pronounce it Lucius and everyone just says Lucius? Because the way that also, that specific line reading, when Bruce Wayne wakes up from the, his two-day coma, right, and he's gotten the antidote to the fear toxins and sprayed on him, like, Michael Caine as Alfred called this guy who knew what he was doing and he comes in and gives this explanation. It was really hard and they, they seem like they're good friends, but then he's like, Oh, Alfred, always a pleasure. And he claps him on the shoulder. And then Alfred does this weird like head turn and just says, Lucius. It's like, are you pissed at him? Like you sound annoyed. <laughs> Did anyone else get that? No. Really? No, I didn't. I, I wasn't paying that it's, close attention. It's, it's formal. Maybe. Yeah. He's like Michael Caine, playing uh alfred is continuously formal because he's a butler that's his life that's everything he's done even when bruce wayne is away he is still there the butler the formal butler and even with interactions with his friends he's still formal so lucius which is a way of saying you are you are leaving but you're a close friend so you don't say goodbye i guess i don't think, <laughs> I don't think alfred ever says goodbye 
Interesting. That, that's an interesting not a horrible thing to say. Goodbye. What I kind of thought it was is like he was tired, and <laughs> <laughs> Nolan didn't want him to make it like make him do it again because he's old. I don't know. But your explanation is better. But Morgan Freeman here, we best seen, known as God. Right? We've seen him as God and <laughs> <laughs> Bruce Almighty, um, and in my dreams. But he's he's fantastic. A seven Dark Knight Million Dollar Baby Invictus. Everyone knows him. It's a Shawshank Redemption. I mean, it's he's incredible. Yeah. Uh, we love the man. And I think that rounds out our cast and crew. It was a lot of people, but we had to do them all because they're all going to be in the next three, pretty much. Uh, Jesse, maybe to start, do you want to tell us the nostalgia you have for Batman and then maybe the nostalgia you have for the movie? Uh, sure. So I was first introduced to Batman through Tim Burton's Batman movie. I think it's just called Batman. Because it is. later this year, there's the Batman that's going to come out. And this one's just called Batman. And, you know, it, it, it was great. It was a great... That movie's such a great time. Like, there's Batman, and the way he moves and kicks, it's like... <laughs> he, he can't move his body. Whenever he kicks, <laughs> he has to lean his whole body back. And he wears that, like, bright yellow symbol on his chest, which makes... Honestly, it, in my mind, he was such an iconic character because of that movie. Yeah. Like, yeah. like there was this guy with all this crazy technology, and he could do anything because he was rich. He could go to wherever he needed to in the whole city. And then there was the Joker character in that one, which was weird and still crazy. I haven't seen the movie in years, but I want to revisit it almost just for that. Like, it's I still see, crazy. Yeah, yeah, I want to see the Jack Nicholson uh, Joker again. But because of that movie, I was it was solidified in my mind that Batman is an awesome hero. Like, he's able to take down all the poison balloons, That's all right. the Joker's minions. Like, this dude can do whatever he needs to get the job done, and he's, like, this cool, mysterious guy. So then, like, fast forward to 2005, Batman Begins is coming out, and I was just like, yes, this is Batman beginning again. I'm not sure how I feel about that. I'm not sure if I want to see how Batman Begins, but it might be kind of cool to figure out how he begins, you know? And so I saw it and I was like, this is the most realistic shit I've ever seen. I've never seen like <laughs> It's so gritty. It's so real. It's <laughs> on a beach. It's so real. I yeah. Taste yeah. The mud. I, if you had enough money, you definitely could be this. If you were trained by ninjas, then I'm sure this could happen. That's where my, I guess I would have been 13 at the time. That's where my 13-year-old mind went. And this became a staple for me in particular, like if I ever had friends over, it'd either be like 310 to Yuma or Batman Begins. And it was Batman Begins most of the time that I'd want to show people. That That's uh, a, are you a teenage boy in the mid 2000s starter pack right there? Yep. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Batman Begins was constantly on the television. Like I've seen this movie like 30 times. Oh yeah. Yeah. Maybe more. And uh, I hadn't rewatched it. I didn't rewatch it in college. I rewatched it with my wife like six years ago and then hadn't rewatched it till the past couple days. So yeah, I've got some new impressions on it, but uh, yeah, this is like a staple in, for my life. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. So my, my introduction to Batman is this movie. Oh, wow. Um, I did not have a strong, um, I didn't watch any of the old Batman movies as a kid. Uh, I didn't watch the cartoons. I didn't read the comics. Oh, I mean, the I, cartoons. Yeah. Oh sorry. yeah. Did you watch those? Yeah, I totally forgot those yeah. existed. Yeah, I totally watched the cartoons. Like Batman the animated series was so much fun and it was like also kind of a gritty 
<laughs> gritty little. Uh... It was super gritty. It was very upsetting. <laughs> yeah. It was yeah. like really dark for Saturday morning. Yeah. yeah. Like I remember now that you're mentioning it, having like a VHS of like the Batman Superman movie. Yeah. Get together. <laughs> and there's this one scene in the strip club where all yes. these bunch what? of girls are dancing in cages. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I do remember that. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. The 90s were wild. Yeah. <laughs> they really were. Yeah. Yeah. What, yeah. What sorry. Time. But yeah. Batman the animated series. That was definitely part of my childhood. Yeah. Well, I mean, I so I'd probably caught like an episode or two here and there. Like I knew who Batman was and I had an idea about it. But this was the first time I encountered a superhero like this. It blew my mind. I was like, you can tell stories like this about superheroes except he's not really a superhero and it's like full of i don't know all of this philosophy and like thought and stuff and yeah it was awesome nostalgia runs deep for this one with me just like i don't remember seeing it for the first time because i've seen it so many times since um it it feels like like what i haven't seen it in a long time but watching it i was like huh is this movie maybe the defining movie of who I am as a person? Um, a little in the, bit. In the book of Mike, chapter one. Yeah. Mike begins. Yeah, well, pretty much. Uh, considering this... that you've passed on a line from this movie to your children, and they will hear it for the rest of their lives, I'd have to see. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they're it's it's fully uh, it's fully in there with them. They they know it and say it whenever they fall. But also like the line about you know it's not what. It's not who I am underneath. It's not who I am. But what I do that divides Exactly. Me. Like, that's something, like, when he said, I was like, holy shit. Like, that's some deep shit, man. Yeah. And I still think that. Like, I still think that that's some deep shit. And uh, it's, it's yeah. Try to be a man like uh, like Bruce Wayne a little bit. It's, it's a nice that's way of That's why I dress up like a bat and scream <laughs> at people uh, in the night. It's a nice way of defining character. The, 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 yeah. the idea of character. Yeah. Because people are always like, oh, he has a good character. Like, well, what do you mean by that? And it's like, well, he doesn't just think of himself as a good person, does shitty things. Like, he does good things, and that's why he has a good character. And it's an easy way to explain that, especially to, like, a child, uh, when when that kind of thing is really important. You can't just think, I'm a good person, and act however you feel. Yeah. They have to be synonymous with each other. Yeah. I feel like that was something that, like, my elders were trying to teach me when I was 15 years old and this movie came out. And for some reason, this taught it a lot better than all it's of the stuff. because it was one stuff. sentence. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> one and, sentence. And he was Batman. And he was Batman. Yeah, he was a millionaire yeah. playboy, you know. That is so much better than I am misunderstood. Yes. You don't understand oh gosh, me yeah. at this moment. <laughs> <laughs> Which is what the mantra of most teenagers and my friend group used to say. Yeah, it's true. It's true. I was misunderstood for sure. It's because I wasn't ex- communicating at all, but like yeah. I was definitely misunderstood. <laughs> uh, that, that's a great nostalgia though. Yeah. And then uh, how do you feel about Batman now? Like, is, has oh, yeah. the love continued? The love, the love has continued. Um, I've, you know, after watching this, I watched each of the other ones, went to the theaters for them. I don't know if I saw this one in the theaters. Like, I, I don't think I would have and, you know, I've played almost all of the Arkham games at this point. Yep. Which, yeah, like this, yeah. I, and read several comic series about him. Batman's a really interesting character. Like, he's a very interesting character in the superhero canon. I think he's my favorite. Yeah. Um, for a lot of reasons. But we can maybe talk about later when we talk about the Batman mythos, maybe, and what this does to it. But so, yeah, with that, I'll, I'll pass it on to you, Vito. 
Batman is my favorite fictional character of all time. <laughs> I, I've, I've known and loved Batman since I can remember anything. Like I, I remember being a baby and like watching the animated series. Batman is so important to me. If I could show listeners like my bookshelf over there, I have an entire shelf that's just Batman. Uh, he's I, I've played every game that he's in. I've watched every movie. I've seen all the shows like Batman is incredibly important. He's, he's very enduring to me. And as, as, a, as a child of, of divorce, when I was younger, the concepts in Batman and the idea of being alienated and alone, but sort of finding the family that he does, working like he does, you know, because he views this as work. He views this as like holy work that he does was very inspiring to me. And it kind of feels like uh, now that I'm older and I can recontextualize it in a way. He feels like God's lonely man in a lot of ways. You know, he's like the only one out there who is of pure heart enough to to do what needs to be done. And that that kind of message is very comforting uh, to me and still is uh, to this day. And, and when I watch this movie, which I've seen probably like a million, billion times, um, although it has been quite a bit, uh, I, all that stuff just comes flooding back. You know, sometimes, especially when you love a fictional creation that's in a comic book form it's really easy to lose that love because we're so inundated with comic book shit so much that it can just reach like a boiling point and you can begin to forget why you loved something and after having been away from batman begins for so long coming back into it i am i, I am i begin again i begin anew and i am again excited and thrilled and remember everything that always touched me about batman and always inspired me. I love this movie. I love this character so much. I, I, I will show everything Batman related to my children. I will show them everything. I don't give a shit. Uh, I think the very first thing I saw from Batman is either the animated series or um, Batman and Robin, which terrified me because I was like four years old when that movie came out. And it was scared me so much. Um, I, will, I won't do that to my kids, but my daughter's already been Batman asking Batman and Robin? Yeah. That's the one that scared you? I was four. It's four years old. <laughs> I'm trying to remember how old I was. When did it come out? Like 97. I think I watched it around. I think I watched it when it came out on VHS. I remember I remember thinking Bane was cool. I, I, I was the kissing was gross. I was and really was scared by yeah. the by the neon um, fight with all the Jokers and Robin. Um, the motorcycle scene that happens. Uh, that really scared me. Um, just because the Joker has always scared me. And anything like Joker related really, really gets to me. Anyway. There, there's there's a chase scene in there that scared me. Um, and Poison Ivy really scared me too. I did not like Poison Ivy. Mm. But as as far as Batman Begins go goes, I, I think my daughter's already asking questions about Batman. Um, you can also listen to a, another podcast that I was on, Seriously Pointing Those Conversations About Culture, uh, where we talked about the Arkham games, and I go a, a lot deeper into my nostalgia for it there. But she's already sold on the concept of Batman. And I think the fact that I have denied her watching it has has stoked the interest even more and so every time she sees any of the iconography or like i have a little funko pop of batman that she knows is batman she likes to play with it um she sees the books on the shelves i don't know when this one will be my daughter i'm having a hard time i want to say like 10 but realistically probably like 12 i mean you've got all the animated series that you can show her first yeah and but some of the stuff in the animated series is is on par psychologically with some of the ideas in this. Yeah. It's just that this one has like the nightmarish images. Yeah, right. It's yeah. like humans. Yeah. I mean, yeah. humans, not drawn ones. Yeah. Cause some, like I'm watching, I've watched the animated show many times and there's still some episodes in there where I'm like, like really? Like, we, we gave this to children? Yeah. <laughs> they are not ready for these <laughs> concepts. 
the iconography is fascinating. I never encountered any Batman actual stuff, but like kids that that whose houses I went over to, like they had the toys and they yeah. had stuff. I was fascinated by it for forever until I saw this. It was like there was a reason for it. It's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, because it's it gothic. It's it's it feels dangerous. It feels like it feels kind of like you shouldn't be looking at it, but it's yeah. so intriguing. Yeah, well, and, to it. and I mean, like, I think this movie goes into it a lot. Like the idea, like bats are generally an image of fear and the good guy uses an image of fear. Why? That's yeah. very interesting. Yeah, I, yeah. I was realizing that more because like I was showing my three year old son this movie and he <laughs> Like, I didn't show him all of it. I was just like, all right, I I need to watch this for the podcast right now. You can watch <laughs> this with me if you so choose. My daughter refused because I made it very clear, this is a scary movie. And she's yeah. like, nope, not having anything to do with that. So she was off, like, playing by herself. But my son got all excited. He was just like, it's a scary movie. I want to watch Batman. <laughs> yes, you do. That is how this works. But, like... I open with it like where I left off, like in the middle of the movie. This is as he's becoming Batman, you know, and he saw like the dock scene, you know, where Batman is like picking up guys one by one on the docks and then all surrounded and there's guns going off. And there's a freaky sequence that happens beforehand where you never know if Batman's going to be behind a corner. Yeah. And he is terrifying. Batman, that character it feels like he's the monster hunting down his victims because yeah. so cool. Yeah. Where it's, are you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's it honestly feels like a, a suspenseful thriller at that point. And I had to keep telling my son, "All right, you know, Batman is the good guy, believe it or not, and they're." They are the bad guys right there. <laughs> you know that might be good for your son, like. Like the the bad guy, because like he's so into being the stormtrooper. I'm sorry, I totally just jumped in the middle of what you're saying. But like he's like into being the stormtroopers because they're like so cool looking and like they're the bad guys. Like the yeah. good guy who acts like a bad guy. Yeah, ah. I think I think that's the appeal of Batman in general ah, because yeah. he always like even the animated series. You know the logo. I think it's like red behind him and it's a silhouette yep. of yep. Batman with the giant white glowing eyes like he looks really scary mm -hmm. and i think that's the appeal of him like he looks terrifying he looks scary but he's actually good he's using this to channel something good into the world rather than something bad because sometimes bad guys don't always look like stormtroopers they're not obvious they look like everybody else a and, judge yeah a crooked politician or or just random docks workers apparently it's true with submachine guns. Who'd guess they're bad? Uh, <laughs> but but when, yeah, when, when I, do you I think you'd, you'd show the whole movie? Yeah, so the whole movie without. Oh, by the way, we we ended the night like in the Arkham Asylum scene. I was just like, all right, you got to go to bed. Uh, but I had been like covering his eyes through all the you know psychedelic scenes. Yeah, uh, I was like, that yeah. is way too scary. That's freaky. And he's just like, can can you just cover my eyes? <laughs> like he he wanted to stay there. He really wants to see the rest of this movie. Uh, but yeah, it's gonna be. I I think I will show this to him whenever I think he feels ready. But it'll probably be when he's like ten or twelve. Yeah, what I think, think I was thirteen when I saw it in theater. So at least yeah. by then. Yeah, I kind of feel the same way. Probably probably thirteen is is where I'd I'd start with my oldest at thirteen. You know, 
Sound that sounds about right. Because it, it, I don't want to show this first one and then have to wait to do the second one. Yeah, you know what I mean. And the second one is like, well, it has no hallucinations. Really ramps up the psychological. Yes. Uh, intensity. It's yeah. Yeah. It's a little intense. Yeah. I don't know. We'll, we'll have to check back. This this one's hard. This one's hard. I think. Yeah. I think I want to. I want to baptize my children in other Batman first. Yeah, and then and then see where see where this one goes. But this is definitely like the beginning of this. This is one of three crown jewels, as far as I can see. Well, cool. Uh, maybe then we can get into the movie. I, I'm really interested in like how this. So, like for me, I came at this pretty much like blank. I was a blank slate about Batman. I knew Batman was cool. I knew that he was kind of dark. And then I saw this. I was like, holy shit, this is incredible. Like, this is my defining image of Batman. But for you guys, like, you came at it from... Um, we knew the story. Yeah, you knew the story. You knew who Batman was. But like, That's the question. Like, I kind of want to know what it, it, it was like for you, like, what this movie sort of did for you with Batman, with his character that you grew up with and cared about and thought a lot about all the time. Like, then you come and see, you see this movie, which I think is a pretty different movie from it's different a than lot. Any, it's different than anything yeah. that come before. Yeah. It's, it's completely new even in terms of like the storyline it does borrow from some comics there are some comics that act as inspiration but in every way it could be comic booky it really tones it down or it hides it so like it's comic booky why well there's ninjas in the yeah. mountains like yeah. that's comic booky what do they do well they mostly train to overthrow governments and you're like okay well that's that's kind of realistic i mean especially this comes out in 2005 you know we're scared of terrorists this is a terrorist organization mm -hmm. that has been operating for centuries you know, like the plague rats in Rome, <laughs> you know, like we, they've been yeah, doing this, they've set this, all this yeah. stuff up And every time it can be real. It's also comic booky and it's, it marries them really well. So you don't really question that as a child, you receive it as one beautiful package. Um, whereas yeah. now like you have the suicide squad, who's like, I don't know, what are we, some kind of suicide squad? <laughs> You're like, I, it's, this is dumb. <laughs> <laughs> or it's just totally over the top, like, like Guardians of the Galaxy or something, you yeah. know, where it's like leaning full in. And uh, up until this point, we had not gotten that nice, beautiful marriage of what's real and what's silly, completely self-serious in one. And every now and then when it gets a little too crazy, the movie makes a little joke about it. Yeah. You know, like he's in a giant tank, tank. Yeah. <laughs> there's a uh, bunch of jokes in the car chase scene like when yes the, when the tank backs up into the compact parking zone when the guy is like demanding a description of the batmobile and then it passes like never mind yeah. yeah like it happens again and again that chasing it almost felt a little too much but also like yeah i, I still buy it it's got to be it's because the movie also knows it has to be a little bit fun at some point, yeah. you know, because it, it's got a tank he's driving around. So I guess I guess what it did is that it brought it brought the character into the new uh, millennia. It, it took everything that was interesting about the core character idea and brought it forward. And it also brought forward something that had that had been pretty much established as canon, but made it incredibly canon, which is that Batman don't kill. In previous iterations, you know, he's a lot looser with some of those morals. And in this one, it's very clear. There's some stuff he won't do. This is definitely one of them. And also, like, we we're bringing, starting him from the ground up. We're doing year one stuff, meeting Gordon. And that stuff we'd already seen and Frank Miller had done. But this just did it different. It did everything differently. And it did everything more like James Bond. And uh, that was just so fascinating to me. In like, even the way they, they, sh they photograph him 
when he saves Rachel from getting mugged and he's just coolly leaning up against that railing and she shoots the, the taser and he just lets it spark on his chest for a minute just to show her it doesn't do anything. Yeah. And yeah. he like casually wipes it off. You're like, that's cool. To what what blows my mind, like watching it this time around, is that he beat up the thug behind her, beats that guy up, sends him away, and then leads against the rail (laughs) really quickly. (laughs) And the time it takes her to say, that's right, you better run to the other guy. She turns around and that's all happened. It's like, it's so funny. Like, that's so obviously a pose. Well, he worked out the whole speech. Like, he worked out the metaphor for the cages and stuff. Like, <laughs> yeah. And his leverage. Like, he did this, like, whole thing. And he came up with it. And it's really dorky, but it's cool. Oh, he's such a dork. Yeah. He's a he huge is. dork. Yeah. Like, coming in, like, I wasn't as into Batman as Vita was. But I, I so I was genuinely wondering, well, how does Batman begin? And. And this was a cool answer. Like, he's trained by ninjas, because why the hell not? That sounds awesome. Yeah, of course Batman's trained by ninjas. How else does he do all this ninja shit where he disappears randomly? It just makes so much sense, right? It does make so much sense. And then he rebelled against them because, obviously, he's, he's so just and they are so unjust. Yeah. And also the idea that uh, a superhero movie could be realistic, because... Like, uh, before this, we have, like, the Spider-Man movies and X-Men. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, like, one weird Hulk movie. No, because that, that's the early 2000s, and then the 90s is just, like, this sea of, like, insanity. Like, just insane yeah. comic book movies. You're like, what? Why, why are we doing that? Like, Batman Forever comes out in the 90s? You're like, why did we do that? <laughs> yeah, the campiest Batman movies you can possibly do, that's all there. Yep. So it's either really campy, and then you have... Spider-Man and X-Men bringing forth, like, the new superhero type of movies. Marvel. And then this, showing us what it looks like to be a little more, trying to be even more realistic and not just rely on the comic books to to try to marry a comic book with the idea happening in real life. Which, up to that point, we hadn't seen. But now I feel like we see fairly regularly in Marvel movies. Specifically, like, Black Widow or Iron Man or... I'm sure there are other examples. I think many. Yeah. I mean, all of them now, I think at the very least, like they're very much thinking about how to uh, manage the fact that all of the battles that they fight, destroy these cities and like kill people all over the place. Untold innocence. Yeah. And I feel like that's something they've been like trying to reckon with for several years now. And like, make sure they tell that side of the story. That's just, I don't know, one side of the, the realism. Do you guys think with the the King's Man that they're Batman beginning that franchise? <laughs> um, I, I, I think they're trying. Uh, I don't care. We all, we all let out a collective sigh. That's interesting. So I think it's like a serious movie. Like that's yeah. like, like yeah. taking this character and then being like, no, like let's make a serious movie with serious like big themes, big, big questions, big questions, big themes about being a man, like what it means to be a human. Yeah. Even before necessarily like what it means to be a hero, um, which is, I think a lot more addressed in the second one. This is about like the image and about yeah. striking hearts and, the, and those that do wrong, which is a very like classically comic booky thing to do. Yeah. I think what it does is it changes Batman forever to the more realistic. Everything after this is just we've just been feeling the shockwaves of yeah. this movie, even with the Snyderverse like that's executive produced by Chris Nolan himself. Right. Um, and it's extremely serious. Very, very. It, and they, they, they take, grim. like, this idea of myth <laughs> bleak 
and yeah. just go like full hardcore on it. Yeah, right? Where it's, dude. Yeah, that whole series makes me almost say, "Why so serious?" Because yeah. <laughs> too serious. Yeah. Too serious. Well, we we've too talked about this before. Like those are very much like he's talking about gods. Yeah, like that's what he's making movies about. He's making movies about the new gods. Mm-hmm. His idea yeah that. that's actually like a technical term too like that's a comic book term the new gods it and is. that's kind of what what he's i think he's grasping at something like that yeah um i guess we'll see what matt reeves does with yeah the batman i mean they have a lot of confidence in this thing they're already like green lighting i think they're talking about green lighting the sequel already they have two hbo max tv show spinoffs that are already going to happen that makes me sad sad yeah yeah it makes me less confident in o- only one of them one of them is based around the penguin which i don't care about but the other one is Gotham PD. And honestly, there was a short run of, of uh, comic books about Gotham PD, which is just what what does the police department do when Batman's all busy doing all the other stuff? Like, how do you even work in this city as a cop? Sorry, <laughs> it was wasn't really that, good. Wasn't there already a TV series called Gotham kind of about that? Yes, that's yeah. about Gordon, though. And this is about unrelated people because Gotham really takes place pre-Batman. It does. Yeah. Gordon's coming up. Yes. Bruce Wayne is a kid. And so like in the second season, I think is when his parents get shot. Yeah. So Gotham PD is like current day Gotham. Batman's doing Batman stuff. How do they, what else is there going on? The street level stuff. That's interesting to me, but I think we're still feeling it. I mean, when I see the Batman, I, everything goes back to Nolan. Everyone's like asking Chris Nolan about like, Oh, what did you think about them casting Robert Pattinson and stuff? Like everyone's still paying service to to Christopher Nolan. So this has changed it for forever. One thing that really struck me, like watching it, this go around, like as a kid, when I saw it, when I was 15 and I saw this for the first time, it's like, Whoa, like this is a man who's trying to figure out like what men do or how to go further or whatever. I was really struck about this time. I was like, this guy's, I don't know, 22 20, no, he's tw- he's like 20, 21 when he leaves and yeah. goes to. And so when he mm-hmm. comes back, like because he he leaves Princeton. So he's 19 or 20 yep. when he leaves. And uh, when he comes back, he's 27, 28, maybe yeah. like this guy's yeah. younger than me now. And yeah. just like realizing, like, I, I don't know, this, I'm doing this weird thing. I'm not I'm not old, but like where if it makes you feel better, Christian Bale was older than you when he made. Them. Yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> For sure. Like, I'm not old or anything, but it's like this moment where it's like, oh, all of the best athletes are younger than me now, except for Tom Brady. But like, oh, like these, those, those days are behind me. Or I'm realizing like, oh, this, I'm seeing it not as a future thing, but as like a past, like I'm seeing a reflection of myself, like an angry young man who lost his, his parents, um, trying to make sense of the world that unjustly took them from him. I don't know. That was, that was an interesting, like, I don't know, renewal of the movie for me. That's fascinating. Yeah. Which I guess goes into that, that sense of seriousness here because it's, it's, it's this superhero. It's like, Oh, he's doing great super. And there's like the bad guy and the super villain and like all of this stuff. But it's also thinking about that and about like taking this character and trying to focus on the realism of maybe his human character Mm -hmm. and how, how it makes sense for someone who underwent this to become Batman. I agree. That's a lot. Boy. I, yeah. I, I sort of felt that too. I did notice like watching it this time versus when I was younger. When I was younger, I was like so enthralled with the realism of it all. But this time I could actually like 
you know, this is really stupid, but I could actually like point out like things that happen that make Bruce Wayne the way he is. Yeah. Which actually makes it slightly more realistic, at least in that aspect. Like, like when he base jumps or when he jumps off the building after going to commissioner Gordon, and then the next morning he's asking Lucius about like base jumping gear. It's like, <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Like you just jumped from a building and now you want to know, all right, if I have to jump from a building again, because clearly that's the best way to go. How do I do that in the best way possible? And yet yeah, the, the idea that this guy is, uh, is like younger than me because he's been through that um, emotional trauma and he's trying to figure out like, where he belongs and what to do, and he's been slapped in the face by the girl of his dreams, the the crush of his childhood, for wanting to kill his his parents' murderer, and that like forcing him to realize that like he shouldn't kill anybody, but he needs to learn how to fight because if you fight, then you won't have to kill them. You can just beat them. <laughs> um. <laughs> it's it's, a, it's yeah. a great lesson. I can't kill you, but. I will put you on permanent disability. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll break your spine so you can't move ever again. So what city, does he do? Yeah. He goes to Asia to learn apparently Tiger, Jiu-Jitsu, and Panther. Which yeah, is the and, only thing. And he does a he does a pretty good job at those, although yeah. Liam Neeson with his six foot four frame just like kicks him really yeah. hard. <laughs> yeah. I will well, say for, that first he, he turns to thievery, but he never steals from anyone, only himself. I yeah. thought that that was a nice little loophole. <laughs> he like got all these people together to be like, okay, we're going to steal stuff from, from Wayne Industries. Oh, um, he, do, he does steal that piece of fruit. Oh, that's right. He was he a thief. Yeah. He was a common thief. Yeah. That's right. But it changed his outlook on morality. So a question I'd like to ask, considering that we've been talking about the influence of this movie and the, the changes it made to the Batman mythos, is how this movie has aged in comparison to the stuff that we see now. What, what do you guys think about that? What do, what do you think, uh, Jesse? So watching it this time around, having not watched it in like six years, I was surprised by how comic booky it became at certain points. Like I, I, I just realized like I've seen stuff like this, like the the whole microwave, the microwave emitter, the microwave yeah. emitter. Yes, <laughs> that's such a stupid device. Like it's so dumb. Like working in the telecom industry, I would be out of a job if anything resembling this tech actually existed. <laughs> like it's that whole that and that whole plot like why are they not why are their bodies not exploding that was that like, was the very that's the thing i was like <laughs> standing next to it the ship is exploding also why did they turn it on when they were on the ship also how what? did carmine falcone have this people thing? to go to a ship in the middle of the ocean and, and and but like also why are they not popping like balloons yes yeah why, why doesn't one. it shoot like why does it have to be in the thing it's exploding like, is that why they stopped manufacturing it? Because it was just a bad idea. <laughs> they had to, like, go back to figure out how they could, like, cast it. Like, yeah. The range in this thing is not great. Yeah. Also, like, all the things that the government didn't buy because it didn't have enough money. It's like, have you seen the defense budget? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we definitely have, like, not, like 30,000 microwave emitters that were made. And then they didn't work. And, like, I don't know, just put them in a warehouse in Nevada. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> also, you had a tank that could that was supposed to carry a bridge and it's able to do everything that Bruce Wayne wants it to do, including shoot a bunch of missiles. Like why oh, yeah. are they not driving this around 
everywhere. But they all couldn't the time. make the tankless. They couldn't make the rampless jump work, even though he does it. In no, the, movie? the bridge. He, it wasn't able to pull the bridge with it. Wasn't he, yeah. But I feel like I feel which like is like the just, the just, last just pull, problem. Just pull one rope and then pull the other rope. Yeah, and then you have the stuff in the like, what? Like, well, honestly, the bridge is not the most complicated thing. The complicated but, thing is this machine. Yeah. <laughs> Did was no oh. one like? Oh, you got this across the river. Yeah. You don't need a bridge. Like you have your army here in the tank. Yeah, right here. <laughs> Let's just and scale up the thrusters. Yeah. I yeah. Now, it's so bizarre. Oh, there's so many things like that. Or like the, there's a ninja house on the top of a mountain. Like how did they get food up there? Yep. Why is what's his face wearing a suit, Razogul, the real Razogul? Because he's not. He doesn't say he's a real Razogul for like no reason whatsoever, other than nope. the fact that he wants to hide his identity from his top student. <laughs> Like why? Wait, I thought. But it, apparently, everybody else knows that you're Razogul. Everyone, everyone else was like, "Oh, oh yeah, this incredibly elaborate scheme where we got Jerry over here to like play as Raz. Like he's gonna <laughs> sit on the chair and be all mystical." Didn't it? I thought it had come out, and like I could have totally made this up in my own mind. Uh-huh. But wasn't it like at some point? I thought in this movie that they had said like Razogul is an idea, or like is Isn't like what, it's the leader of the. Is that what Liam Neeson said? Maybe, maybe he said that. I think, he's, I think he said that when he, when, he, when, he, when he shows up again. Yeah. 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 So what my mind did with that at 15 was think, oh, well, the original guy was actually Ra's al Ghul, but he died. So Liam Neeson was the only one alive and he's the one keeping yeah. the idea alive. No. See, but I don't think fair, that that's actually the case. Except Christian Bale's response to him revealing that he's Ra's al Ghul is, is he says, you're using cheap. Parlor, parlor tricks, tricks. Parlor tricks to hide your identity, Roz. And yeah. then he nods. And it's like, oh, really? That was it? Like, it actually would have been cooler if it was like Roz O'Gool. It's a title passed down through many people. But yeah, whatever. It would make more sense. Yeah. I, it would make far more sense. Um, you, know, you know how the comic books get around this, though, is they have a Lazarus pit that he goes right. into every time yeah. he dies. That's yeah. how the comic book movies make it. Yeah. Sense. That's great. I, I know that through Arkham It's realistic. City. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, anyway, but uh, it, it is so, it's so comic booky, and I didn't, I had cast most of that aside because it's less comic booky than uh, Spider-Man or X-Men was at the time. And even so, it's still more, more real than most of the Marvel movies that have come out. In fact, I'm going, I dare say all of them, all the Marvel yeah. movies that have ever come out. I think the only one that, that like maybe, like even hints at contention is is Iron Man. Like yeah. Iron Man still feels like this is the real world in some way. Yeah, but that that's, yeah. it's it's not gritty, you know. And that that but even there, like the central part. conceit is like him being able to keep the the thing away from his heart with this weird thing that he it's like does, a magnet, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I yeah. It's like yeah. Why not just get a really big magnet and pull all that out of your chest all at once? Or I think they ooh, talked about it. They had to know, save but... it for the third movie where he just gets rid of it and it's fine. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. So I guess I guess what makes them both similar <laughs> is they're both millionaire playboys who don't actually have any superpowers, yep. and so like the the comics and like the the story has to constantly be focusing on like okay, so how does he do what superheroes do, what Superman would do, or something like that? Yeah, which this does a really good job of. Like it walks yeah. you through it. It brings you to see like how does he actually get all of this stuff? It's not just enough that he has enough money mm-hmm. because we all know that if like some dude was buying this stuff on the black market, like it would get found out by the FBI or whatever. 
Like he has his way in through Lucius, you know, and it's got to like Alfred helps him with the ordering yeah. too. Like we order this stuff here, and then we yeah. have these parts from over here, yeah. and we put them together ourselves. Very smart. We'll have to order them in large quantities to avoid suspicion. How long? Yeah, it's like ten thousand. <laughs> yeah, it's like why, why do you have to order ten thousand? Why not like a hundred? Why do why why can't you just suspicion. order a hundred? To avoid suspicion. Why would why why does that avoid suspicion to have that vast quantity shipped to your house or your company? And also, why does Lucius say, like, yes, of course, whatever's in this place, I see as yours anyway? Could you imagine Jeff Bezos walking to an Amazon warehouse and that top like warehouse manager being like, whatever's in this warehouse, I, the way I see it, you own it anyway, sir. I thought that was how Amazon did work, actually. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> that's why some, some of my packages get lost. He yeah. just walks yeah. and is like, I want that. Yeah. I don't want this yeah, that's why Jeff is like, yeah, please keep the secret from the board, but I really want most of this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Can I, please, can I please get that Timex watch? <laughs> yes, yes. The $20 one that that person ordered. I really like that. Thank you. <laughs> um, oh. So I guess I guess the answer is kind of like, uh, I, I think it's aged really well. And I think it, yes. yeah. it's aged well because it, it still works, but also it is a unique time capsule back when, before yeah. this became commonplace. Yeah. You know? Before it became the juggernaut that it is. Yeah. You know, well, I'll, I'll, I'll say like the central, like the the final sort of like battle and like everything. I don't feel I was never that interested in it. No, I mean like like when he explodes, I didn't understand why. So okay, so the microwave emitter makes everything go like kablooey, gaseous right away, and so, it it evaporates all water around it. Yeah, but right yeah. away. So yeah. when the thing crashes, it crashes like under Stark Tower. Pretty much. That was a or, sorry, not, not, not Stark Tower. <laughs> Wayne Tower. Yeah. So why okay, you know what? Out. You know what? Like it's just like I just eh, The eh, physics don't make worth. any sense. This In is fact, this it yeah. knocks down Yeah, I'm parasiting. I'm going <laughs> It I'm knocks down most pillars underneath exactly. underneath the tower. The tower should not be standing after that train is done with it. Yeah. Uh, I feel like pointing out ways that a comic book movie is like a comic book is not very helpful sometimes. I know, I know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, That's, it's it was I'm crazy stopping. to me to figure out this movie was because I thought that it wasn't for the longest time. Now I'm like, oh, no, it totally is a comic book movie. But but no one does that thing again. I think I mentioned it in the uh, in the Prestige episode. He's a master of misdirection. Every time there's something totally unrealistic that happens. I'm just like, oh, why is he hiking up to the top of this mountain? Oh, there's Ra's al Ghul. Oh, why is this guy coming out in a suit right now? In a really fancy suit. Everybody else is wearing that. Oh, he just kicked Bruce Wayne in the chest. Like, <laughs> it's like constantly, like, he doesn't let you, like, try to figure things out. He just, like, gives you one cool thing after another to the point where you're just totally enthralled with what's going on on screen. So yeah. that, that and, actually, that leads into, like, my favorite scene, too, what you're talking about. Um, because... My favorite scene is is the is the the training part of the training montage between uh, Neeson and Bale, um, the will to act sequence. Is that when they're mm. on the ice? When they're on the ice. Yeah, yeah. you hear the, the glaciers so cracking cool. around them, um, and they're having a sword fight, and and Neeson is antagonizing Bruce and also trying to teach him a lesson about how he's always viewed his past. Um, and this was really important to me growing up because the first time I watched this movie with my father, I was on DVD, and he kept pausing it to 
just we had this discussion about are you going to yeah. be a pauser or not and this is this was a big pause movie. i think he paused it like seven times wow um it took like three hours to watch this movie and that one he paused at because he wanted to discuss a lot of the big claims that neeson is making here not only talking about the will to act but later on talking about how the, the memory of your loved one becomes poison in your veins to the point where you wish that they had never lived right because the pain that it's causing you these are big ideas but the will to act sequence was new i think to the batman mythos because bruce wayne has always been a victim for so long that this one kind of turned it around and said you know yeah joe chill was the bad guy here but also your dad could have done something he had quite a long time to do something and he's like well i've had training the training is nothing the will is everything and that that was like a big thing in my life is so many times people talk about like, oh, I don't, I, I'm not trained for that. I don't know how to do that. And a lot of life is kind of just saying, well, I should just try it though. I, I have a will to do something. How hard could it be? I should just do it. And I think it's really important. We've talked about this in previous episodes, but it's really important, especially as a dad, uh, when talking to your kids, you know, the kids will often come to you and say, I don't know how to do that. And a part of being a dad is teaching, but also a part of it's being like, well, you kind of do need to figure some stuff out. Um, you have an impetus and that's the will to act. Um, and I love that because in this big blockbuster movie, again, as Mike was saying, like something so foundational, that idea is incredibly foundational in my life. Um, something I think about all the time is, well, I can just try, I can just do it. Like, why not? And I love that scene. I love that scene for that. What, what did you guys think? Do you, do you like his monologue? Oh yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I agree with it hundred percent. I don't know if I'm supposed to like, that's, like the, I, I mean, I obviously think you do, but yeah, yeah. So I, I guess I will say this time around, I, I had never made this connection before, and I guess it's definitely there. I don't know why, but uh, when he says like, it wasn't your fault that your parents died; it was your father's. He's also just mad. He's really mad at his dad because he goes he goes on later in the burning house to say that it was your dad who thwarted us when we tried to take down Gotham with economics. Sure. And he's, he's, and he's also like needling Bruce, right? To get him to lose his patience. Yeah. So I, I think he might be genuinely mad at Bruce's dad for, for taking down the league of shadows essentially and making Gotham limp on in his words. So I think he sees it as, as his dad's fault that he's limping on. And it's his dad's fault that of course this happened because if the League of Shadows had their way, then they would all be dead. Those, those people who who would shoot people coming out of operas wouldn't exist in the first place. He didn't have the will to act. Or at least the will to act like the League of Shadows would have wanted him to. Right. Are you offering that as a corrective? Well, it sounded like you were saying that like, if he had jumped in the moment. where it, For me, it almost seemed like what, what Liam Neeson was saying was... Over the years, he made a series of bad decisions that led to this happening. Um, I guess I wasn't taking what Liam Neeson was saying in the context of the Ra's al Ghul character. I was more taking yeah. it in the context of the Bruce Wayne character in that moment and what he learns from that. And yeah. what he learns from that is that the will to act is incredibly important and it's what he needs to do. Yeah. I wasn't thinking about Ra's al Ghul's character at all in that. I was specifically thinking about how that affected Bruce. Yeah, I think that... I think it does affect Bruce in that way. I think I think you're right about that. But I guess I, I made the Ra's al Ghul connection with how he's viewing his dad later. Like, sure. Yeah, he just, he hates him because he thinks that his dad chose all the wrong moves 
economically throughout his entire life to thwart the League of Shadows. Uh-huh. Which is fair. He did make all the wrong moves. He gave away so much money. Yeah, uh, <laughs> That's a no, really that, cool that, train system. That train system is, is awesome. I wish that existed in every city. I love uh, when when it comes back around and like they're back in the city and you see Katie Holmes on it. Yeah, and, it looks like shit. and it looks so bad. It's like it's such an incredible image of the state of the city. Like I, I love I love how Christopher Nolan did little things like that. Yeah, that were very, very cool. I, yeah. Yeah, I think that that was really, really important. Like for for Bruce's character and, and everything. I guess I guess what I said I wasn't sure meant to say I wasn't sure about was whether or not Liam Neeson was right about his father, like oh. about his father being like I wasn't, I wasn't unwilling to act. Yeah, I mean he, yeah. he might have been. Yeah, it's hard to make a judgment about that. And the the shot comes really quickly. Yeah. Either either way, he did choose to to try and assuage the man, and that didn't work. Joe yeah. Chill's motivations have always been up to whatever writer's working with right. it. And in this one, it he seems like he seems like he's kind of a coward. But as as the uh, lawyer said, he was a desperate man, uh, driven to desperate times because as we know Gotham is going through a really hard time. So who knows what he did or why, yeah. um, or how easy it would have been to take him on. But yeah. I think that's also the overriding and abiding mystery of Batman and of trauma that we find in our lives is is the constantly trying to revisit things in the past to try and see if they could have gone a different way. Um, it's the, the whole time machine paradox, right? You invent the time machine to go back to stop the murder of the wife, but the murder of the wife was the whole reason you invented the time machine. So like you can't ever fix it because the past doesn't change. Mm-hmm. That's something I think about a lot, uh, especially in relation to this movie and the will to act scene um, and the monologue make me think of that a lot and make me think about how mm-hmm. I live my life in the current moment and what I want to do with it. It's actually really less about the context of the movie and more what I've taken away, which is why it's my favorite scene. Yeah. Because it's yeah. transcended the movie for me. And that's that's how I'm talking about it. Do you also keep track of your surroundings very well? No. Because of it? No. Okay. No. You, Although you... I do not have my back to a door. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just a closet. It's okay. No, it's in there. It's just a nutcracker who's sometimes haunted. <laughs> Who else has a favorite scene? This time around, my favorite scene was when Batman interrogates... To use the nice word, kindly, kindly <laughs> the uh, the vice cop. What's his name? Flass. Flass. Yeah, which is like it sounds like it's short for something else, like flaccid, uh, <laughs> which is great. But he, uh, you know, Flass is like being mean to the street vendor, and you know he's getting. I got kids to feed Flass, and he goes, like, "What? They don't like falafel." <laughs> and, then, and then he proceeds to eat the falafel in the rain. In the rain, it's like rain. soaking. It's... Like who does that? You animal! <laughs> this guy is disgusting, um, and he's great at it. But uh, Batman pulls him up, you know, many stories up a building, and and is trying to figure out where what where the drugs are. Yeah, where are the drugs going? Yeah, where are the drugs going? Trying to figure out where they're going. And uh, Flash says, I don't know, I don't know. I swear to God, he says, swear to me! And it is the coolest thing that I've ever seen in a movie. Don't swear to God, swear to me! My dad pausing it, saying, what do you think about that? (laughs) Really? Yeah. Were you like, that is awesome yes yes i was and he's like well it's a little troubling it is a little <laughs> like, troubling. Could you just hit play please <laughs> but i have wished all of my life to have the opportunity to say that yeah. to someone i don't think i ever will at this point i haven't yet no i don't know I, when i would yeah. not in some sort of but i really wish I, could. <laughs> I really wish i could you know that'd be cool swear to me yeah that was i i kind of forgotten about it um yeah my son watched that scene and i was just like 
I don't, I don't know how I'm going to approach this. I think I'm just going to let him see it. I think I'm just going to let him see it. Let's, let's I'm see not going to pause. I don't want to draw attention to this. I don't want to draw attention to what's going on, how he's tormenting another human being. Yeah. Taking him upside down. Right? He's torturing him. Yes, he is torturing him. <laughs> yeah, he's torturing him and interrogating him at the same time. Yeah. Nope. Batman's a good guy. He's Batman's a good guy, son. He's a good guy. He's a good guy. <laughs> <laughs> Remember that. <laughs> he doesn't kill people. He does not he, kill them. Yeah. And he, and he doesn't even maim this guy. He lets him off and then it just looks like he probably barfed. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He might have even picked his falafel back up. I, I was, I was <laughs> no, telling him, I was so, like, I actually imagine if you barf on the way down. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like you're I, just barfing and it's going like back in your face. Uh, yeah. yeah. Or would he yeah. actually, do you think he would eat the falafel? Uh, I, at this point, I think he might like, he might eat a dead cat he found in the street. He's shown to be pretty much the lowest of the low. Yeah. Yeah. Ba- barely a, a police uh, officer. Yeah. I keep hoping in the back of my mind that he will just throw the falafel away, but I don't. I, I think he might pick pick it up and eat it. You really want us to say that Flas eats eats dirt food, and I <laughs> yes, he eats dirt food. Yes, yeah. Dirt food. <laughs> yeah. What's what's your favorite scene, Jesse? I mean, most scenes from the movie are my favorite scene, mm-hmm. but this time around, watching it, I think. The the doc scene is is my favorite scene. You know the scene where you don't know where he's coming from. The scene that feels like it feels like a suspenseful, almost thriller movie, all verging on horror. Yeah, because like when things are popping out and you don't know which direction, and but but it's so crazy because the hero is the monster. It's to this day I don't think I've really felt like that. Where like the person I am rooting for, like un questionably is being treated like he's the monster right now uh, being filmed that way the the music is itself is very like classic suspenseful music yeah that that buildup is still something i don't think i've quite experienced in in most movies because even in movies where like you have like a real badass hero say like john wick even then i feel kind of questionable about john wick but i don't feel questionable about batman yeah. No, no doubt in my mind that that guy is a hero and I'll root for him against anybody else. So yeah, I've never felt that way about any other scene in any other movie. So that's my favorite scene. Nice. That That's really cool. Yeah, because with John Wick or even like Bob Odenkirk's Nobody, uh, there's there's moments where you're like, all right, this is a little, this oh. a little far. Where's my damn yeah. Katie Cat bracelet? <laughs> you're like, oh, all right, all right. Let's calm down. <laughs> But yeah, with with Batman, the trauma is great enough that you believe you believe it. You believe it. Yeah, yeah. And the training, you believe it. Yeah. yeah so so let's let's talk about themes. Can we talk about themes? Let's kick it off we, with that. We need a Mike's theme corner. Yeah. Let's talk about. Let's talk. I feel like with this one, this is a serious. Okay. This is a lot of. Themes. You know what? Why don't we ask? Should, should we ask? Is this a dad movie first? And just like give it a. I, I, I mean, I I say yes. I mean, yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh, Yes. Okay. So this is a dad. What movie. are we even doing here? This is a dad movie. Absolutely resounding yes from from the dad fathers. But with that, like, the, I feel like the, this hits a lot of a lot of buckets or, or boxes or whatever the expression is. Takes a lot um, of boxes. Takes a lot. Of, yeah. Sure. Fills a lot of buckets. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm, gonna start, I'm gonna start saying that. That's yeah. Great. Yeah. It fills a lot of buckets in there, but one of those is definitely like on the lesson learning aspect of things. Yes. And man, there's a whole lot of 
whole lot of lessons going on here. Like this is a young man going from being traumatized to, I don't know if he's not traumatized anymore, but he's definitely like learned how to act he's, in the world. He's sort of, he's taking out his trauma on the underworld of Gotham. Yeah. And like for a while, that's going to be okay. But I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah for a while. But I mean, like, like there's the fact of his parents' death, but then using like his fear, like we haven't talked about fear at all. Fear is a huge aspect of this movie. Like the relationship that you have to fear and, and his fear of bats specifically, you know, with Batman, his fear of the underworld, but his fear of, of fighting, but it's his fear of bats that leads him to like bring his parents out of the theater. Yep. Right. And like, that's in his mind, the reason why his parents are dead is because he was afraid. Right. That's cool. Like that's cool. And then he uses it to fight the bad guys. I I, I don't know. All of this stuff, get, gaining your strength from your fears, like seeking revenge, uh, trying to find balance between revenge and justice. Do you feel like this movie, this movie has these lessons to teach? Do you feel like it does it well? Are there places where you're like, oh, I don't know about that. So like in, in, in using it as an instructive piece for your kids, are you like, well, I got to temper that or I think that that's wrong. I think that's what my dad was doing. Yeah. And I think he wanted, and it's weird when he, the stuff he paused on, because he paused on the loved ones wish had never been alive because they make you sad line. And I, I can't remember it now because last night I was actually joking with my wife. I was like, it's really strange he paused it on that because that's the most literal sentence I've ever heard. Like, I don't know how to expand on that more. It's he's just saying exactly the idea he has in his head. There's not a lot of nuance in that. And I don't know why my dad wanted to pause it there, but he really wanted to talk about that. He really wanted to talk about the swear to me because where this movie steps out of bounds and stops being about teaching, it does remember that it's a movie about a very traumatized man who is doing something that is not sane. Right. <laughs> and that's like when Michael Keaton was asked to play Batman for Tim Burton, he initially declined because he said, oh, you know, you don't want how I'm going to play Batman. And Tim Burton said, well, how's that? He says, well, as a mentally ill person, he goes, that's perfect. Do that. Because that's that's kind of what Batman is at the end of the day. And this movie, it does a very good job of having its cake and eating it, too, where this mentally ill person who's dealing with heavy trauma is someone that we totally root for and has a mission statement that makes sense, <laughs> you know? And it's only Rachel who's the one that's like, you know what, I don't know about all that. You should figure that out and then call me when you're done because now you've completely supplanted your identity with Batman and now Bruce Wayne is a mask. And so it is hard to, to show it up. It's hard to even show Batman as a truly uh, noble character because of that inherent contradiction, but that's why he's interesting. And that's why Superman is always harder because he, he doesn't have an inherent contradiction. And what inherent contradictions do in drama, they make good characters. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that, that's right. Come down on it. And they make much more interesting stories. In my opinion, not very good moral ones. Like I am not interested in showing my kids this movie for like the morality behind it. Like I actually want them to question Batman all the way through. I think that's okay. I, I think that I think the audience should view him as Rachel does. I think that's why Rachel's a necessary part of this. Like you should be saying, Batman, that's cool, but uh, I don't think this is the right way to go about it at all. Or uh, Alfred also serves the same purpose, where he's always just like, you know, maybe you saved Rachel's life right now, but you got to defend your name. Like, could you please just be a normal person for once? And it's like, well, yeah, if you had been in Batman's shoes, you would have realized that was clearly the obvious, 
you know, he had to drive his tank on rooftops, clearly. Yeah. If only you had been there, Alfred, how would you know? <laughs> uh, but, like, at the end of the day, Alfred does have a point. Like, why, why, why don't you just, like, go be, like, a normal person? Like, that, that is still a good thing. You don't have to be this guy. You don't, you don't have to, like, keep, keep, like, hurting yourself over and over and over again. That's not the yeah. only way this works. Your father showed that wasn't the only way this works. And, yeah. of course, Batman's answer is, my father's dead. He's like, yeah, yeah that can happen. People die. We yeah. move on. Yeah. <laughs> and then Rosal Ghul even comes and basically validates his fa- what is everything his father did. Basically yeah. saying, like, yeah, your father beat us. He didn't even know it, but he did. La 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 la, eat my fist. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so I, with the themes, like, I think that's a big complicated theme. I think, and also there's more themes about, like, vigilante and justice and. Oh, yeah. uh, Well, vigilantes and and legend, like, those are definitely tied together. Like, are you a vigilante doing this for personal reasons, or do you rise above that to become a legend, become a symbol? To become something that's going to be remembered for years and years and years, and not just like somebody going after to seek your petty revenge. It's almost like vigilantes go for revenge and then symbols go for justice. Or you live long enough to see yourself become a villain. I mean, that does happen. <laughs> I I think that this this movie does ask a lot of those questions. I don't think this movie answers almost any of them. No. Yeah. Well, a lot of these come up in the next one. Yeah next couple and then and then the dark knight rises is like the big denouement that wraps up like the last two or three questions but most of the questions are answered in dark knight i think i think really come to a head because some of them aren't even are just barely asked like the idea of of bruce wayne becoming the mask that's only at the end that that's brought up by rachel yeah and then you're like oh yeah huh interesting i think this movie does end up answering like can you get justice without revenge because I think that's Bruce Wayne's big motivator. Like, he wants revenge. And then realizing that, like, no, I, I don't quite want revenge. What the underworld needs, though, is they need they need fear. They need to experience what I experienced as a child when I was scared from bats and was scared from this guy shooting my parents. I need them to understand what I went through because there's nothing that they, that they experience in day-to-day life that will get them to to experience that. And that's not quite revenge. That is like tipping the scales to have them get what they deserve. I think that's also really funny, though, because I bet most of the criminals have had way worse things happen to them. Yeah. Like way oh, worse things. <laughs> in, in real life, yeah. But we're talking comic book world. Comic Even book in the justice. comic book world, like, oh, man. Like every single one of Batman's villains had a way worse life than he did. <laughs> Filled with so much more fear and pain and terror. <laughs> Well, yeah. I don't know. Felt like everybody in like Falcone's little little restaurant seems to be having a pretty great time. Yeah, but Falcone, like, I'm not gonna I'm oh, not gonna yeah. do an itemized list of why of why what I just said was what I said because <laughs> that would be every Batman villain and their and their backstories. But like, he wants to do the terror thing to like to let them know this, but that also feels incredibly immature to me. And I like yeah. that he doesn't he doesn't continue with that mission statement in the coming movies. Yeah. Um, he Even here, it. he changes it, doesn't he? Yeah. Like, it's not just about like they need to feel what I felt, but like within this movie, I, I feel like there's a change, especially with having to, you know, battle against Ra's al Ghul. It's like he's seen how people are manipulating the, basically using the poor people who are just like kind of trying to make a buck to create these armies and like 
like yeah. get the stuff, get the drugs where they need to go and do all of this. It, there and all there of that. is like a little bit of commentary on, on corrupt. There's a little bit of commentary on corrupt systems. A little bit? Commentary. They bring it up a lot. I mean, but they don't it, have much it, it to is say a about corrupt, it. it. I guess what they're saying is like, this is very bad. They just say it's corrupt. Yeah. That's, that's, yeah. that's what I mean. Yeah. Uh, and then and so it, like, it, later like, on, yeah. they, they build on that more and more. Yeah. Because like that one part where he's like, your system is broken. And then she does like, she goes down. She's like, look at all these poor people. Look how bad the system oppresses them. Yeah. I actually, I actually laughed out loud though. When, when teenage Christian Bale said your system is broken. I know. <laughs> With his haircut that way. It was funny. You know, he looks like, I, I feel like he looks like one of my cousins. Oh. Um, who is in college right now. And he looked like it, one of them in this, in that scene, which was one of like the most striking things when I was like, oh, whoa. Like Have this I met is. cousin? Uh, one of the twins. Um, oh. Both of them, actually. <laughs> it looks like two of my cousins <laughs> who look like one another um, because they're the same age because they're twins. They were born. <laughs> this is weird. They um, share a lot of genes. All right. Yeah, I, I think I agree. Like, Batman is definitely a complicated character and one, like, it's just amazing. Like, this is, he's an amazing character. He is, like, a, a new archetype, almost, like, like Batman and you've got this, this kind of type of character that you're able to do a lot of work with. Um, I think one of the things that I'm really excited about for the Batman is it seems like it's going to go real hard on rage and have that be maybe the driving impulse with that, the Batman, as opposed to fear and justice, I guess justice is, is the driving, one of the driving force of any Batman. Trying yes, to find justice, a, a strong sense of almost of, of things needing to be as as they ought to be. Yeah, as they yeah. ought to be, and that the world is not that way. And it seems like you can combine that with several different other driving factors that tend to be flaws in people, like fear. With Christian Bale's Batman here, yeah. Um, so I'm very excited for the Batman and Rage. What, trying... what was what was Ben Affleck's motivation as Batman? Tired. He was tired. He was old man Batman. Yeah. He was tired. I, I, yeah. And and he hated gods. Yeah, he well, he hated it because of uh of what he saw happening. Like as, he battled as, them all and Superman is a god. Yeah, and, an and, and, god. and he wrecked his city. Yeah. You know, and killed so many people that he cared about. And yeah. The the impression I got from Affleck is He's he's got this superhero thing down pretty good, and he doesn't have a lot of enemies anymore. Like he's so much further on, and he's got a good working relationship with the police department. And it seems like he's like Gotham has calmed down a good amount. And it seems that with the arrival of Superman and then bringing the Kryptons in, the Kryptonians, right, and Zod and everybody, and then all the different other worldly things happening, he was like. Like, no, get the fuck out of here. Like, I spent so long ridding this this city of insane people, and now I got aliens everywhere. <laughs> yeah. I think he's kind of despairing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I wish we I wish we'd gotten another one. I wish we'd just gotten one more. I wish we we'd, we'd seen the solo Batman Ben Affleck movie. Yeah. I really wanted that. Yeah, I, I actually I dug him a lot. I thought he was pretty good. Yeah, I thought he was really good. That was pretty good. I thought yeah, he had some great moments. And then he had moments where he just bought the bank. Yes. Yes, he did. Just yeah. like just like in this one, he buys the hotel. Yeah. But there's a difference between buying a hotel and buying a bank. Banks. I mean, but this is like a podunk town in Kansas. 
Have you ever heard of a podunk bank? I've never heard of a podunk bank. I... My first bank was a podunk bank. It was a credit union. Yeah, I got it was in my town of 5,000 people. It was quite podunk. There were two tellers. We knew them by first name. <laughs> they were there the, my entire life. <laughs> we gave them Christmas cookies. It's great. That's yeah. actually really wonderful. It was really sweet. Yeah. Maybe, maybe that's what he bought. That's what. I, that's just of... what I got the feeling of. I don't think he bought like First National Bank and Trust or Chase or something. He didn't buy J.P. Morgan. He probably already had a couple of those. Yeah. I mean, come on. <laughs> How much money does this guy have? What Bill- self-respecting billionaire doesn't own a couple of banks? I think we're saying it's like three times Elon. I think is what we're talking here. I don't know. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, any final questions? I don't think so. I think uh, we've begun to have a good grasp of this movie. Yeah. That's good. That's good. And uh, we'll check back in uh, later on with The Dark Knight and finish out very strong with our Dark Knight Rises. Thank you all for tuning in. This was a big one for us. This is um, huge. Yeah. I love talking about this movie with you guys. I love this movie so much. It, it means it's a lot to me. Is our Dark Knight episode going to be like three hours long? I think it might at least be three hours long. Yeah, I think Could so. be. Should be. <laughs> Certainly longer than the movie. <laughs> but for all of us, I'm not your father's movies. I'm Vito. I'm Mike. And I'm Jesse. Good night.